Good morning, friends. Uh, this morning I'm preaching at Praise and Worship. Uh, you can watch this online. You can actually see the live uh, message. Uh, but if you are going to just listen to it here, you can I hope you enjoy. Today's sermon is called, What Happens When We Die? Now, this is a question I've heard and been asked for as long as I can remember. Uh, back in grade school, our fifth and sixth grade teacher was also the church organist. And so for every funeral for two years, our class sat in the balcony and sang. And you can well imagine that fifth, grade, fifth and sixth graders might have whispered a few questions between us, wondering what happens when we die. In my high school doctrine class, the subject also came up, as it did in my theology classes in college. In my early years as a teacher, because the school and the church were connected by a short hallway, wherever there, whenever there was a funeral, questions again were asked. And then in 1976, while teaching at Valley Lutheran High School, a student brought in a book called Life After Life. In this book, the author detailed near-death experiences of people who, he said, died and then came back to life. Well, this was followed by the 1980s, which was called the New Age Movement. It popularized such Eastern concepts as transmigration of souls, reincarnation, spiritualism, communication with the dead. And of course, and if you count in my 35 plus years as a pastor, whenever a member died, and they died all the way from just barely born uh, to the very old, and when I conducted a funeral, the question was still asked again and again. Well, today, anyone with a computer can connect online with uh, psychics, their spirit guides, experts in reincarnation, so on. All this kind of stuff is free, easily accessible to people and people by the thousands and maybe the millions um, tune into those kind of things. So why this fascination with the world beyond the grave? <clears throat> is it just because death seems, well, so final, so permanent? Well, no doubt you've heard it said that nothing is certain except death and taxes, but you know, you know death is more certain than taxes. Now, you can certainly find ways to evade taxes, but no one evades the grim reaper. When your time is up, your time is up. So unless the Lord returns first, and that would be okay with me, someday I will die, and those I love the most will die, and you will die, and nothing we can do can change that fact. There is a parting at the end of the way. We all have, as someone has said, a rendezvous with death. So is it no wonder, then, that we are drawn to the question, what happens when we die? Now, in many ways, it is the one remaining unanswered question. We know so much about so many things, but life after death? Well, we don't know much. In fact, there are three great questions every person needs an answer. One of them is, where did I come from? Another, where am I? Why am I here? And third, where am I going? But it's that third question that grips us. Because in one sense, where did I come from? Well, that's yesterday's news. And the question, why am I here, is one you need to sort out day in and day out. But see, the third question takes us into the unseen future. I mean, what does happen when we die? I mean, is it the end of everything? Do we just kind of live for a few years and then poof, vanish? Or do we simply play our part, shuffle off the stage? Or is there something more, something beyond the so-called great divide? Well, thousands of years ago, uh, Job, in Job chapter 14, verse 14, spoke for the rest of us when he asked, If a man dies, will he live again? Well, in answering questions about life after death, we're left with only two sources to consult. Either we can turn to human experience, or we turn to the Word of God. And if we turn to human experiences, we find a lot of guesses, a lot of ideas, a lot of theories, but no sure answers. And the only people who have the answers 
Well, they're all dead. So that leaves us with the word of God. In God's word, we find plenty of answers. I mean, God who knows the future knows what happens. And he's not left us to wonder about it. Like the Bible is filled with so much information on the subject that, I mean, I could never possibly cover this in just one brief message. But if you want the answer in one sentence, here it is. What happens after you die depends on what you do before you die. Consider the writer to the book of Hebrews who said, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Now, you may have missed certain appointments of life up to this point, but this is an appointment you will not miss. You know, 100 out of 100 people will eventually die. Uh, we are terminally ill with a disease called death, and but we just don't know when the end is going to come. It reminds me of a story I heard a number of years ago, a story about two guys named Bill and George. They were two avid baseball players. They often wondered if they played baseball in heaven. Well, I kind of wanted to know that question, too. So they agreed that whoever died first would find out the answer, and try to come back to communicate with the survivor. Well, eventually Bill died. Several weeks later, George was awakened with a vision of his friend Bill. Now, he was very happy to see him, and he said, Hey, do they play baseball in heaven? And Bill said, I got good news and bad news. The good news is they play baseball all the time in heaven. The bad news is you're scheduled to pitch next week. Now, before we go further, let's stop and ask some very important questions, questions that, have, that people over the years have asked about death and dying. These are questions I have been asked many times in my ministry life. First of all, is there a second chance after death? It's kind of a popular view of people who didn't accept Jesus in this life, and they kind of want to know if they get a, a way to come back, maybe through reincarnation. Well, the answer is pretty simple. I mean, there's no biblical support uh, whatsoever for the notion of a second chance. I mean, Hebrews 9.27 made it pretty clear. Uh, you die, that's it. See, the only opportunity you'll ever have to get right with God is the opportunity that God gives you right now. Well, let's talk a little bit about these near-death experiences. Now, when we look at this, we need, to need biblical balance. Now, on the one hand, it's undeniably true that uh, some Bible characters did see the Lord before they died. I mean, Stephen saw Jesus before he died in Acts 7. Uh, it talks about as he being stoned, he looked up at the heaven and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Uh, the Apostle Paul was evidently given a vision of heaven, maybe during his stoning at Lystra in Acts 14. He does talk about it in 2 Corinthians 12. But it's important to say that these kind of revelations did not happen often, even in Bible times. I mean, not every believer had or will have a revelation of heaven. So could such a thing happen today? Uh, well, yeah, but we should not expect it or base our hope of heaven upon a last-second experience. And by the way, we should also remember that Satan, the great deceiver, is always at work. He can create scenes that seem to be scenes of heaven, but they're actually creations born elsewhere. So third, what happens to children who die? Now, this is a very heart-wrenching subject, I mean, particularly in our faith tradition where we practice infant baptism. It is obviously a very tender subject to many people who've lost children, you know, prior to birth or at birth, and they want to know, will I ever see my child again? Now, the place to begin in answer, <clears throat> answering this question is with the observation that the Bible does not specifically address this question. But that doesn't mean that we don't know some things to be true. First of all, we know that children are not born innocent. I mean, children who die go to heaven, and I believe they do. It's not because they're born morally innocent. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that we're all spiritually dead by nature. I mean, we were conceived in sin, the psalmist says, born in sin. 
And that applies to young children as much as it does to full-grown adults. But second, we know that God's grace is always greater than human sin. In Romans 5.20, uh, we're reminded that where sin abounds, super grace abounds. See, God's grace always goes way beyond sin's disgrace. Now, I believe that God's grace credits children with the merits of Jesus' blood and righteousness so that those children who die before they're old enough to believe are covered by his blood and their entrance into heaven is made sure and certain. Now, I'm not going to go into great depth. Or just give, Let me give you a couple of examples from Old Testament time. Perhaps you can remember the story of David and Bathsheba. Well, when Bathsheba delivered this first child, this child became very sick, and David mourned over that child. And when the when the child died, everybody was worried about David. But David immediately got up, cleaned, and went back to business because he said, I will see this child again. We've also got that in on the Christmas story when Mary comes in her pregnant state uh, to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. Scripture tells us that when Mary came close, she said, the baby jumped in my womb. Well, let's go to number four. Can we contact the dead after they're gone? Well, the answer is no. Uh, And any attempt to dabble in spirit contact is strictly forbidden in the Bible. Um, You know, if you're messing around with seances and Ouija boards and crystal balls and psychic readers or channels or mediums, you're involving yourself in stuff that God forbids. Suffice to say, leave the dead alone. The fifth question is, what do you say to someone who's lost a loved one? Now, over the years, I've done I don't know how many funerals, but I've discovered that it really doesn't make much difference what you say, even as you go to a visitation or you visit in the home or even as you're speaking from a pulpit somewhere. Those people who are grieving are not necessarily going to remember the words you say, but they will never forget that you cared enough to be there when they needed you. It's what I've always called and labeled the ministry of presence. I mean, if you go with the love of God in your heart, he will give you any words you need to say. So let's go back to the original question. What happens at the moment of death? Now, I've already kind of given you a general answer. What happens when you die depends on what happens before you die. See, the Bible classifies the whole human race into two broad categories, those who are saved, those people who are lost. And what happens to saved people is radically different from what happens to the lost. So let's take a look at the lost real quick. Let's first of all consider them. The Bible is abundantly clear on this. When saved people, those people who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, die, they go directly into the presence of the Lord. Now we need to remember here at this time the words of Jesus to the thief on the cross, Luke 23. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is a very straightforward promise that at the moment of death, that that repentant thief would pass from his life of crime into a realm called paradise. Now, this contradicts an old teaching called soul sleep. And soul sleep just implied that at death, the believer kind of sleeps in a kind of a suspended, murky animation until the day of the resurrection. But ask yourself, how could the thief be that very day in paradise if his soul was sleeping somewhere when he died. See, at the moment of death, the believer passes immediately into the personal presence of Jesus. As someone told me one time, last breath here, next breath in heaven. I mean, this is our hope, this is our comfort as we stand at the gravesite of loved ones. Now, Paul actually said he had a desire to depart and be with Christ. 
which is better by far. That's in Philippians 1.23. He also said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, and I say I would prefer to be away from the body, that's being separated from the body by death, and at home with the Lord. Now, here's the words of a man who believed that heaven would begin the moment of his death. Now, was Paul looking forward to some sort of unconscious slumber? No. He was looking forward to the personal presence of Jesus. But, you know, that's not the whole story. The soul goes to be with the Lord in heaven, and the body is buried until the day of resurrection, when Jesus returns. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again so that we believers... So that we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. See, here you have both sides of the truth. Christians who die are said to be with Jesus. That's the soul in a conscious presence of the Lord. And have fallen asleep in him, that's the body which sleeps in the grave. Listen to these words of Paul in 1, Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians 4.16. He said, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is a very clear picture of a future bodily resurrection for the believers. Now, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, adds this crucial fact that our bodies will be raised imperishable. In other words, with a body that's perfect in every way. I don't know about you, friends, but our bodies wear out all the time. I mean, mine certainly does. But you know something, when we're raised, it's going to be a body that can never decay, can never wear out, it'll never suffer injury, it'll never grow old, it'll never get sick, and thank God, we will never die again. Now, I often think that we Christ followers have a wrong view of death. We think we're going from the land of the living to the land of the dying. That's not right. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're going from the land of the dying to the land of the living. You know, the Bible has all kinds of images using for the death of a Christ follower. You know, things like going to sleep and waking up in heaven, walking from darkness into light, uh, being set free from prison, you know, opening a gate to a brand new world. But you see, Christ followers have always faced death with confidence. The very name cemetery from the Greek koimoteria means sleeping place. It testifies to our confidence in God. You know, back in the Bible days, uh, pagans cremated the dead because they didn't see any further use for the body. But as Christ followers, they buried their dead as a statement of faith in the coming resurrection of that body. Now, some have asked how God can raise the body if a body has been burned or lost or vaporized. Well, believe it or not, I don't think that's a very hard question. (laughs) Why? It's because if you can raise the dead, you can raise the dead. See, resurrection is God's problem. It's not ours. We don't need to know the how as long as we know the who. Now, once our bodies are raised, we will be rejoicing with the Lord forever. Wherever he is, there we will be, rejoicing, praising, singing, celebrating. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, we will be with the Lord forever. And speaking of his own return, Jesus said, my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. I remember sharing that with my grandmother, who was well into her 90s at that time, who was kind of fussing about continuing to live so long. And I read her this passage and asked her if she understood and believed it. She said, yes. And I said, well, he also knows how fussy you are. That's why it's taking a while to prepare a place for you. Now, she didn't kind of like that answer, but she knew exactly what I was saying. 
So let's what's ahead for us when we die? Well, first of all, our soul goes into the conscious presence of the Lord. Second, our body is buried until the day of resurrection. Third, when Jesus returns, we will be raised bodily from the grave. And four, body and soul reunited, we will be with the Lord forever in a new heaven and earth. In other words, as somebody said to me one time, Pastor, have a good time at my funeral because I'm not going to be there. You know, but what about the lost? What of those who die without Jesus? Well, Job 18.14 calls death the king of terrors. Hebrews 2.14 uh, talks about uh, people held in bondage through the fear of death. And 1 Corinthians 15 calls death the last enemy. But before going on, we should know one similarity between the fate of the saved and the lost. At the moment of death, the soul enters into a new realm while the body is buried in the grave. You know, for the believer, the moment of death brings him into a personal presence of Jesus. For the unbeliever, death begins an experience of unending conscious punishment. Let me summarize the fate of the lost in just four short sentences. Number one, at the moment of death, the soul of the lost is sent to hell, where there, where it is in conscious torment. You can go back and read this parable that Jesus told in Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, about a rich man who upon his death went to hell and suffered in the flames of torment. Second of all, their, pay, their punishment is eternal. I mean, Mark 9, 43 to 48, speaks of the fire that's not quenched and the worm that does not die, a reference to the continuing existence of human personality in hell. And third, the body is raised at the final judgment. Romans 20 describes the scene when the unsaved dead arise to stand before God and receive their punishment of doom. And four, the unsaved are then cast into a lake of fire where they will reside forever, eternally separated from the presence of God. This, friends, is the final destiny of those who do not know Jesus. And to maybe make it a little bit more personal, it's the final destiny, perhaps, of some of your friends or neighbors, your loved ones, maybe your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your kids, if they die without Jesus. But I want to point out something. This is a call, and this is a reminder to share Jesus anywhere, anytime, anyplace. I mean, it's our job to be gospelers, to be gospelers, people who want to share the gospel. Now, many of you know that I, I frequent a local coffee shop six days a week, only because they're only open six days a week. And I will sit there sipping on my mocha latte, and I kind of wait and listen for conversations that may take place around me. And if I feel I can somehow enter in, I do. My hope always is that perhaps I can share the good news of Jesus in some way. One of my favorite Great Commission passages is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, by the way, that happens for some people who believe at the point of baptism, some they, when they first claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But whenever it happens, it said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. Well, some people say, well, I'm never going to be to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or wherever the remotest parts of the earth are. But believe me, uh, Jerusalem could be your own family. Judea could be your own neighborhood. Samaria might be people you wouldn't ordinarily think of dealing with. And the remotest parts of the earth, <laughs> well, I can remember getting off that transatlantic flight and landing in Johannesburg, South Africa. And our host greeted us by saying, welcome to the ends of the earth. Well, one last question. How can you personally face your own death with confidence? Well, friends, if you know Jesus, you don't have anything to worry about. I mean, death comes to all of us. It'll come for you, me, one of these days, unless Jesus comes back first. 
So the question is, do you know Jesus? Well, if so, then you need not live in fear. Death could be quick or slow, painful or painless. Uh, but when the moment comes, you'll find yourself ushered into heaven where you will see Jesus face to face. Now, some people wonder if they'll have enough faith when they die. They worry about losing their faith and wonder if that will cause God to turn them away. Well, I remember reading this in a book about Corey Ten Boom a number of years ago. When she was a young child in Holland, she worried about her own her own death. And she wondered whether or not she would have enough courage when that moment to die finally came. Well, her father, Papa Ten Boom, uh, knew about her feelings and he calmed her down and he said to her, Corey, you know, when I am going to take you on the train, when do I give you the ticket? And she said, well, Daddy, just before we get on board. He said, you know, that's right. Dying is like taking a trip to see the Lord Jesus. He will give you whatever you need just when you need it. If you do not have the courage now, it's because you do not need it now. When you need it, the Lord will give it to you, and you won't be afraid. Well, listen to the words of Jesus in Revelation 1.18. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. You know, keys are a sign of authority. If I handed you uh, the keys I have in my pocket, not only could you get into my house, but you could drive away with my car anytime you wanted to. You know, it's often said that the devil owns the gates of hell. I mean, in other words, he's got the power over death. But, you know, that's okay. The devil might have the gates, but Jesus has the keys. So we have nothing to fear in the moment of death, because when that time comes, Jesus is going to personally unlock the gate and usher us in. John eleven twenty five and 26, great words. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, that's the question, friends, today. Do you believe that? Because if you believe in Jesus, you will never die. What an amazing promise. For the Christ follower, death is just passing from this life with all of its sorrows and the life eternal in the presence of the Lord. So the question is not what happens when we die, but rather what will happen when you die. See, death is not the end of the road. It's only a bend in the road. For the Christ follower, death is the doorway to heaven. But for the unbeliever, it's a passageway into unimaginable suffering. These things are true even if we do not fully understand. They are true even if we do not believe them. So let's ask the question one more time. What happens when we die? Here is the answer. What happens when you die depends on what happens before you die. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion. God bless.